and welcome to the inoculation. My name is Daivara Pechkaite. My name is Eva Vanshe-Ever. So Eva, what have you been following lately? I know that you're always tuned into both the German and the American situation. There must have been a lot happening with the midterm elections in the US, right? Yeah, well, I was actually following that uh, quite intensely. And of course, the Senate race in Pennsylvania. And looking at Dr. Oz, I thought, maybe this is something we should talk about on the podcast. Wait, wait, wait. So Dr. Oz, I'm assuming he's not from the Wizard of Oz. Uh, who is he again? He's not the Wizard of Oz. He's a real-life doctor, but he's gained some prominence in the United States um, by appearing on Oprah Winfrey's uh, television show and uh, spreading falsehood, untruths, disinformation about medical topics. The popularity that he's gained uh, has been enough for him to run for a seat in Senate. We know now that he lost and his opponent won, but still I think it, it's quite interesting to take a look at why somebody who has been educated in medicine um, would just uh, spread untruths. Yeah, I was about to ask you, so we know that he's a real doctor, but uh, uh, you said that, that he has been educated in medicine and apparently he received excellent education in medicine. So how did he become this kind of spreader or peddler of uh, falsehoods? This is quite interesting because he attended the most prestigious uh, American schools, including Harvard, the University of Pennsylvania. He was a resident at Columbia University. Um, and 20 years ago, a bit over 20 years ago, he became a professor of surgery at Columbia University. So through a series of appearances with Oprah Winfrey, um, she ended up, in 2009, she, her production company produced a daily TV show called The Dr. Oz Show. This is quite fascinating. So he's a professor at one of the most renowned universities in the United States. And um, he used this television show to promote pseudoscience, um, faith healing, a number of paranormal beliefs. Um, and he has been, he's been roundly criticized for that. Right. But uh, uh, he is a surgeon, you said. Um, but uh, this uh, falsehoods that he has voiced are, are, were not exactly about surgery. So what kinds of topics did he cover and what kind of kinds of topics did he misinform his audiences about? I don't want to be flippant and say basically about everything, but it really was an extremely wide, wide range of topics. So he promoted unproven alternative therapies, homeopathy, fad diets, detoxes, cleanses, um, and also things that could be harmful, like using hydroxychloroquine to treat or to prevent COVID. Um, all of these things have basically been debunked. Yeah, uh, homeopathy is our old friend and we discussed it uh, quite in depth before, right? So where could our listeners hear more about it? 
<laughs> so, so exactly. You could you could check out our episode from four weeks ago. So it was the episode before last, where we talked a bit about homeopathy, and you can find that either wherever you like to listen to. Um, podcasts or you can find it on our website www.theinoculation.com where we just took a look at the role that homeopathy plays in um, anti-vaccine beliefs. Yeah we heard some some good uh, feedback from listeners about this episode so uh, we hope you enjoy it but my question now is um, is Dr. Ross the only one of this kind? No, there there are a number of doctors, medical doctors, who have gone to medical school, who have been to university, who spread disinformation. Um, one thing I think that one thing is really interesting. There's um, a nonprofit that's based, I believe, in London, the CCDH, so the Center for Countering Digital Hate, and they took a look at. Uh, the sources of disinformation on a number of social media sites, including Twitter and Facebook. And what do you think they found out? Wasn't this uh, the one that uh, came up with the list, kind of a definite list of the main disinformation actors? Exactly. And they gave it a really nice catchy name called the Disinformation Dozen. And so the Disinformation Dozen are 12, I'm just going to say, social media personalities that uh, spread the majority of health disinformation on a number of, of social media channels. Um, and so I just, just looking at the list, not even doing a, a huge amount of research, um, I found two doctors, or at least two people with medical training, who are members of this list. So we have one, Joseph Mercola, who's an osteopath, and we have Sherry Tenpenny, who I believe is also an osteopath, um, who spread disinformation. Yeah, I remember Joseph Mercola had this network of when he was banned, I think, or some of his content was banned. There were people who were using kind of distorted versions of his name to make sure that his uh, uh, stuff continues spreading. So he became very prominent and the non-American anti-vaccine movements that uh, I was looking at were featuring him very prominently. Is there anybody else? Um, yeah, one I think is also that I'd like to mention is a woman named Christiana Northrup. And again, she was a frequent guest on the Oprah Winfrey show. Um, and like Dr. Oz, she was Ivy League educated um, and she would often speak about women's health. And so this is somebody who was very, very trusted in, in 2013. She was a member of the Reader's Digest annual list of the 100 most trusted people in America. Wow. And there's a study by the Reuters Institute that shows that celebrity spread disinformation has a disproportionate reach on social media. So that's uh, really serious. Um, clearly, the Oprah Winfrey show needs a fact checker. Uh, but is this new? Is this phenomenon new? The question is how far 
could you go back to find doctors who spread disinformation? Of course, I think if you'd look to um, the Middle Ages, so you could you could go back and find alchemists or quack doctors, and I think even as early as the 19th century, as early as the early 20th century, basically when we're talking about vaccines, I think it's interesting to think about the fact that the person who first publicized um, the British doctor who first publicized the link between autism and vaccination himself was a doctor. Right. And uh, we're speaking about uh, Andrew Wakefield, who featured in a very interesting way in the Swedish uh, documentary, a pop link in the show notes. His paper has been retracted, but he continues touring and uh, spreading his ideas as a kind of celebrity. But are only media celebrity doctors spreading disinformation? Um, no, and this is something, and this is something that I haven't seen in the media that often. But when we were doing research on Germany, um, we found that just regular family doctors, just regular pediatricians, um, were showing up at these big anti-COVID, anti-mask protests all over Germany. Um, and I remember specifically one case of a a doctor from Bremen, I believe, who had um, gone to gone to a protest and she compared mask mandates to things that happened in Nazi Germany. And, and in Germany, you have to understand this is a very, very serious offense um that that can lead to jail time or other things but um still she would she would do this uh and you did some original research about the scale of this uh, phenomenon right well we found um and this was i think last year we found about 200 doctors though it's not to say that they're not more and i truly believe um that there are more doctors, and these are just 200 who had been reported to state-level medical boards for for refusing to comply with Germany's regulation to stem the spread of COVID-19. And I think at the time what we said was that 200 obviously is a, is a small number, but if you just think of it this way, that one doctor will see uh, in the range of a thousand patients in one month. So I think it's very clear that if you just add that up or multiply those numbers, you can see what what um, the potential for harm is here. You're totally right. And also I would add that uh, the fact that they've been reported to the state medical boards, it means that they've um, chanced upon a, a very concerned patient who... Uh, took the trouble to file a report, uh, but maybe some of them have these kind of loyal patients who have exactly the same beliefs and it would never occur to them to report their doctor for uh, spreading these falsehoods or actually practicing these falsehoods in their practice. Exactly. So what we're looking at is, is just the number of the number of doctors who were reported. So it's probably a, a much much larger number overall. And just so that we're clear, what kind of offenses were they reported for? 
I think it was going in the um, in the sense of wearing a star of David uh, at one of those at one of the protests. Um, another one was just what seems like basically small potatoes was a doctor having a sign in in their medical offices say, declaring this medical practice is mask free, which at the time was clearly uh, against German regulations. Ouch. And so we know or we can uh, see through the motivation of celebrity doctors uh, to um, seem alternative and to kind of gain popularity and be seen for the things that they say, but uh, do we know anything why family doctors would be doing this and, uh, as you said, risking so much? Yeah, and I think if we say, like, the, the motivation of celebrity doctors is clear if we just, I was just looking for some number of, just to pick a, um, pick an example how much money Dr. Merkelo makes just by sending out a newsletter. This is just the newsletter. This is not the other stuff that he sells or that he promotes. Just the newsletter, just from his newsletter, he's making at least a million dollars a year. So this is quite clear what the motivation can be. And if we look at Dr. Oz, um, obviously this popularity that he's gained um, allowed him to run for Senate. And even though he lost, it was, he did not lose by a wide margin. He lost by a fairly narrow margin. So we can see, so with the celebrity doctors, we can see basically money um, and and offices and fame as a, as a motivator. But um, I've often asked myself, what could someone, what could motivate somebody to sp- spread disinformation, even though they, they, just through their training, should be able to to understand factually correct information. I was specifically searching for studies that would look at um, the psychology of doctors, uh, medical professionals who um, are anti-vaxxers, and I didn't find any. But what I did found, I found one study, and we'll put the link into that as well, a number of researchers just looked at, they, they used um, a concept from social psychology and um, just looked at what kind of motivation people, and these were just not only doctors, could have to be um, anti-vaxxers. And what did they find? And so they, they, the basis is basically... The concept from social psychology, the basis is that we all have just a very small set of moral uh, intuition, and um, those are the foundation of um, our worldviews. Um, and, and they use this idea to study vaccine skepticism. And what they did find was that there's just a small subset of traits uh, that can tell us if somebody might be predisposed to be a vaccine denier. One thing that I think is is very interesting is that um, they were much more likely to have a sense for liberty and to have just less deference to, for those in positions of power. Uh-huh. That's uh, something that we find in political movements as well. Uh, what else? 
And what I also thought was very interesting was they were they were twice as likely to care a lot about the purity of their bodies and the purity of their minds. So these were people who would disapprove of things that they considered disgusting. And it could be either along religious lines, for example, kosher rules, halal rules, or um, very much secular things. For example, people who care very much if there are toxins in their foods or in the environment. Oh, that's a good one. I saw a Facebook post recently of something that I don't follow at all, but but it had this like two panel view and one of them was full of drones and uh, police and uh, um, a pharmacy uh, with a skull and bones. And the other side was like a nice uh, lush park with families and uh, all natural um, remedies and things like that. So it's it's very visible and it's also it ha this idea has a very visual language yes yes i think you, i think you could be very right on this anything else any other features those are the two that that this specific study found i've also often seen like a a measure of narcissism um to be quite important for people to to think that, for example, if you have medical training, you will then think, well, I have all this training, I'm smarter than any kind of regulation. So there's also this degree of narcissism um, that will allow people to just uh, put their own private beliefs uh, above rules. Right, and this is where all the sheep sheeple discourse comes in. Exactly, exactly. So we don't have a specific study on doctors, but uh, on the general anti-vaccination, anti-mask, anti-public health movements, we can distill these traits from the available research. We have to say, though, that uh, Dr. Oz is not an anti-vaxxer, um, but he has uh, actually platformed uh, and promoted uh, known anti-vaxxers, uh, including Joseph Merkola. That's very true. So can we say that this is malpractice? Um, can we say that this is malpractice? So I think we want to take a look at what constitutes malpractice. What is interesting to say is, of course, that malpractice or medical malpractice is actually, I think, a legal term. I don't think we're at a point where we could say this is something that could legally be challenged. But one big question is, is are these doctors kind of breaking their oath? Are they going against the Hippocratic Oath? Exactly, that's a great question. So is there uh, any evidence or any studies or uh, anything we can use to say one way or another? Well, the thing is, the the Hippocratic Oath, which we all somehow, I think, in the back of our heads have rattling around as first do no harm, um, or as one one snippet of which we that we can all remember is first do no harm. So the most important thing as a doctor or the most important thing when practicing medicine is not to harm the patient um, is really is only looking at a relationship between a doctor um, and the patient. So we have something completely new. We have this idea that 
we have doctors, we have medical doctors who have social media followings of 100,000, 500,000, maybe even more followers. Um, and they're harming them by spreading, by giving them false information. So this is something completely new. Right. Uh, in the sense that they are not giving this advice to a single patient in their practice, but uh, they're giving advice to potentially millions on TV. This is the question. What I've also um, heard is that some people will say, well, is this free speech? Could this be something that's covered by the First Amendment? Exactly. They're so freedom loving, all of them, as we know. Mm -hmm. So I think the the I think one thing to remember here is that the the constitutional right to free speech is not the same thing as professional speech. So, for example, if you went to your doctor and he told you, you know what, Daiva, you're in excellent health. Go ahead, go home, enjoy your life. But in reality, you have a very aggressive, let's say, brain tumor and you would be. I don't know, dead within a month, then this would this would certainly be malpractice. Oh, right. That just sounds like uh, toxic positivity <laughs> to me. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, now now it's clear. But have people been disciplined for this behavior? I think there have been um, also a number of complaints that uh, doctors who spread this disinformation have by and large uh, kept their credentials. So they would still be allowed to practice medicine. And I'm talking about um, medical licenses in the United States, though this um, holds true for Germany as well and uh, for a number of, of other countries. And there have been a number of groups, um, for example, there's one called No License for Disinformation, um, who are really calling on the the medical boards for physicians, for doctors who spread disinformation to lose their licenses so that they can no longer practice. So this is something that is developing. So we don't we don't really know yet what this is going to look like. And have there been cases when medical boards have taken action? Well, there's one that I just saw that I came across on my uh, Twitter timeline. This was a, a cardiologist called Peter McCullough. Now, the American Board of Internal Medicine is moving to strip Dr. McCullough of the certifications in both internal medicine and cardiovascular disease um, because he has provided misleading medical information. Mm -hmm. The process is ongoing, though. The process is ongoing. Um, and I'm not sure how long this will take, but um, I think the fact that they're moving to do this is quite interesting and quite novel. And is he a prominent doctor? What else do we need to know about him? He's quite prominent. So he's a cardiologist. He was the section chief of cardiology at the University of Missouri, the Kansas City School of Medicine. So he also worked at Baylor University Medical Center, which is a quite um, important and renowned medical center. So this is somebody who's been quite prominent in his field. And at the same time, during the COVID-19 pandemic, 
He advocated for early treatment, uh, including hydroxychloroquine. He criticized the National Institutes of Health and the FDA, um, and he dissented from public health recommendations and contributed to COVID-19 misinformation. So we will follow this case closely because the medical board is now considering this as we record this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. And if you've ever come across a doctor, uh, be it your own family doctor or on TV, in social media, who has spread disinformation, um, just let us know. Send us an email. Um, we'd love to hear about it. That could include COVID disinformation, but we're also interested in these uh, so-called magic cures and uh, things like that. We see this in different countries. Exactly. Okay, and I think with that, we can wrap up for this week. Thank you for listening. If you want to see more of our work, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, Inoculated. You can find both the podcast and the newsletter on www.theinoculation.com. Exactly. You can find the podcast anywhere you like to listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and you can also listen to it on our website. Thank you for listening this week and bye for now. Bye. Bye.